The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is up? Welcome to episode 26 of the On the Farm podcast, a prospects and dynasty podcast brought to you by pitcherlist.com. I'm your host, Andy Patton, joined once again by the dynamic duo of Trevor Huth and Shelley Vergstrait. Yesterday, we talked about, I think, 38 of the top hitters who were prospects who made their debut or were still prospect eligible when they played in the 2020 season. We talked about how we feel about them, whether they're trending up, trending down, or for lots of them, just still wait and see because it was such a short season. Today, we got 21 pitchers on the docket. A lot of guys who had uh, rather auspicious debuts. We're going to talk about whether we're concerned about them long-term, whether it's small sample size and, and so on and so forth. So welcome back, Trevor and Shelley. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be back. I'm glad I didn't get kicked off after last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad to, uh, to be back and uh, talk about my favorite uh, you know, pitching prospects. Yeah, it was a, it was kind of an odd year for pitching prospect debuts. I feel like uh, I I don't know. I mean, it's the year I followed them more closely than ever before, and in a sixty game season, everything was kind of odd. But we certainly saw some guys pitch a lot better than I expected them to, which is always good. And some guys who certainly didn't live up to to their early expectations. But again, it was nobody threw more than like forty or fifty innings because of the season. So probably a lot of guys who the jury is still out on. I will start with their number eight overall prospect in our preseason rankings. That would be Oakland A's left-hander Jesus Lazardo. Lazardo pitched in 12 games, made nine starts, 412 ERA on the year, 1.27 whip. Uh, he's pitching in the postseason right now. Things weren't looking so great for him against the Astros. Uh, Luzardo's a guy that uh, obviously has been really highly touted for a long time. You know, most lefties who throw above 95 miles an hour get a lot of attention. Uh, hasn't quite gotten there. There's been some injury stuff. Uh, I liked mostly what we saw from him this year. Uh, the strikeout numbers were solid. The walk numbers weren't too bad. Uh, 412 ERA is obviously a little higher than you want. Uh, Shelly, I'm just curious kind of what your thoughts are on Lazardo after his first like more extended stay in the major leagues. Um, I, I mean, I was, I was pleased with it. I mean, I, I, maybe I was expecting like a little bit more strikeouts. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, just, knowing that this was like his first time in the major leagues as a starter, because he came up last year, but he was definitely more, he was in the bullpen for the A's mm-hmm. uh, during the final stretch last year. Um, I, I, I was pleased. Um, I'm still mm-hmm. super high on him. I think that he is going to be, 
you know, um, just he's just going to be like a good uh, for fantasy wise, maybe a good number two, number three kind of guy. I don't think he's going to be like a good like I don't think he's going to be an ace. But um, yeah, I, I, I was pleased with what he did this year. Along the same lines, I, I think he did fine this year. I believe uh, he's had some injury issues in the past too. So yeah, um, yeah. that's just kind of something to monitor. But if he's coming back and he's healthy, um, the further away he gets from any injuries, theoretically and hopefully, the uh, the better the stuff will tick up a little bit. So uh, I, I think it was good, and I think uh, you know, I, I the needle hasn't moved for Luzardo. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I think you know, as long as he's not actively hurt and he's continuing to to pitch healthy, which he was this year, I'm not overly concerned with the results over a, a 12 game sample size. Uh, and even so, the results were pretty good. So I think I think there's reason for optimism there going forward. Number 11 on our list was Casey Mize. Uh, Mize, obviously one of the trio of really elite starting pitching prospects for the Detroit Tigers, along with Tarek Skubal, who we will get to, and Matt Manning, who unfortunately did not debut this year because of an injury. Uh, Mize's numbers are pretty ugly. Uh, 6.99 ERA across seven starts with a whip just under 150. Uh, peripherals are a little bit better than that, but still not particularly good. Uh, it just wasn't wasn't a good stretch for Casey Mice. There's really not any other way to put it. He never got through six innings, uh, gave up a fair amount of home runs. 20% strikeout rate, excuse me, is honestly, it's not very good, but it's, I don't expect him to be a huge strikeout guy. He, that's never really been a big part of his profile. 10% walk rate is not great. And hopefully something he can improve upon. That was something that he was highly touted for his ability to command the strike zone. And we just didn't see that in this seven game stretch. Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you. I know you've, you know, talked about the Detroit Tigers a lot. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what we saw from Mize this year. Yeah, I'm not too deterred by Mize's performance. I had somebody ask me right after the season, you know, did he just get called up too early? I don't think he did. Um, it's kind of what we thought could happen as a, as a Detroit Tiger community. And maybe that's just mass pessimism because of you know <laughs> the way things go with your Tigers fan. But mm-hmm. honestly, his fastball gets very hittable. Um, yeah. And so he needs those secondaries. And his secondaries are fantastic. I mean, you see his splitter all over Pitching Ninja, mm-hmm. uh, wherever. So his secondaries are great, but he really needs those because his fastball can get hittable if he can't command it. And and I think he'll always be able to control it. He'll always be able to get it over the plate, but he needs to be able to command that. He needs to spot it up. And um, I don't know that he was doing that. I don't know what, uh, you know what was causing him not to be able to. I'm not too worried. He's always been more of a floor than a ceiling guy to me just because of how good his secondaries are. So I think he'll settle into, uh, you know, whatever his role is going to be. And if he gets a full year next year, I think we'll get a better look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of agree as well as I'm sitting here with my Matt Manning, uh, Erie sea dogs, uh, uh, going on. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, I, when it comes to uh, Casey Mize, um, honestly, out of the three big Detroit uh, pitching prospects, I had him number three, mm-hmm. uh, basically because, mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought that he had a, you know, uh, a really high floor, but not a high ceiling. Um, I, I saw him a couple of times here in double A Richmond mm-hmm. and the, uh, the, uh, the, the flying squirrels uh, were very aggressive. Um, like whenever, you know, like really aggressive early in the count. And that seemed to kind of be different than, um, really 
any other team. So I think that Casey still has like some things to work on. And 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 seeing that he just kind of got hit around a bit. Um again, I I think he has some things to work on, but I do honestly, I think he's much better than this. Um but yeah, um I, I do think he's better, but um I think that he's a good like number two, number three. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's funny because, you know, Scooble, we'll, again, we'll get to him, but his primary concern is his secondary. His fastball is fantastic and he throws it like 70% of the time, uh, which he can get away with, particularly in the lower levels of the minor leagues, is going to be a challenge for him in the big leagues. Whereas Mize, uh, you know, the secondaries are really good and the fastball is just not, you know, it's, it's really hittable. And so it's, it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see how the Tigers work with those two guys and, and kind of get them to the spot where, uh, all of their pitches are at a level where they can succeed because ultimately that's what they really need is is to have uh, to be able to use all of their pitches and know that they're not going to get hit around on them. Uh, you combine them, be... you're in business. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if if you Casey like, Mize what, Justin Verlander, if Casey Mize threw 97 from the left side with all of his other stuff, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, number 17 on our top 100 list from the preseason was Nate Pearson for the Blue Jays. Uh, Pearson only appeared in five games and made four starts. He had injury issues that prevented him from sticking for the entire season. One of the earlier call-ups in the year for pitching prospects, I think he was called up like the day that they were the Blue Jays were able to get an extra year of service time on him. Uh, had a 6 ERA, uh, 150 whip, again, five games, really, really tiny sample size. Uh, strikeout rate was only 20%. Walk rate was up to 16%. Again, I can't imagine that anybody is gleaning too much off of these uh, handful of appearances that Pearson had. Uh, his stuff looked pretty electric, but uh, the command is something that I would be a little bit worried about. And then I think the main issue for Pearson, at least for me, this is kind of a, a confirming a prior that I had about Pearson is just if his body's going to hold up, if he's going to be able to stay healthy and pitch deep into games. That's something that we haven't really ever seen him do. We didn't see it, see him do it here this season. You know, is he a guy that is going to throw, you know, get you any quality starts if you're in that kind of league as a format? Like it just feels like he he's a guy who throws so hard and I don't think he's destined for the bullpen necessarily, but you know, can he hold up as a starter long-term? I think that's the big question with Pearson. Uh, Trevor, I'll start with you. Yeah. It'd be a shame if they moved him to the bullpen. I think um, <laughs> he's got great stuff. Uh, I know that before the season started, uh, there was a whole thing going around the prospectors on Twitter about guys who were higher on, lower on. I was lower on Pearson um, mm-hmm. than a lot of people. And I actually think it was Shelly who asked me why. And we got into the <laughs> conversation about, about I don't know how he's going to hold up injury-wise, things like that. And I was very upset to be, uh, you know, quote-unquote right for the one year because I, I, him getting hurt was not, uh, not ideal. I had just traded for him. Um, so that's on me, guys, and I'm sorry that I hurt him on accident. Um, I just wanted to get production out of him. But, you know, it was good to see him come back in the playoffs and and uh, do what he did. I mean, I think he struck out like five guys and five of the six batters he faced or something ridiculous like that. So his stuff is so good. I'm not really worried about it. I just want to make sure he can stay healthy. Yeah. Um, like it, when it comes to Pearson, uh, I was off on him. And then like, I kept hearing like so many um, of the people that I love um, who, you know, talk about prospects or like really hyping him up. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I see, um, you know, in late 2019, he started to throw more innings per start, getting to six, even sometimes seven per innings. 
Um, so maybe like the injury stuff, you know, maybe I'm just getting too scared. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Trevor's right. Um, I mean, he missed time this year with an arm injury. He looked good in the playoffs. He really did. Um, but just a guy who throws this hard, um, it just it just scares me a bit. And now that we have an actual like an arm injury and not just a broken arm uh, based on a comebacker, it, it kind of it, uh, scares me a bit. Yeah. All right. Next up on our list was our number 26 ranked prospect, Padres right-hander Luis Patino. Patino was it was kind of an odd year for Patino. He came up as a reliever. Uh, he did make one start, but I think it was abbreviated start. Appeared in 11 games through 17 innings. Uh, results were not good. Uh, 5.19 ERA. Uh, struck out a lot of guys, which is kind of what you would expect from him. Uh, he had a 20, just under 25% strikeout rate. Also had a ton of walks. But again, we're talking about a kid who's 20 years old. You know, he he was so so young to be in the major leagues at all. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to see Patino get a fair amount of run, whereas Mackenzie Gore did not get called up at all by the Padres. Uh, still kind of unclear what the situation was there. Uh, I really like Luis Patino. I can't imagine there are too many people out there who follow prospects who are really concerned about a 5.2 ERA over 11 games in the bullpen as a 20-year-old. Uh, if there are people in your league who are panicking, I would highly suggest going to try to trade for Luis Patino. Uh, I guess I'm curious if you guys have the same thoughts on that. Uh, Shelly, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, my my feelings with Patino have not moved whatsoever. Um, I love seeing the strikeouts. Uh, I mean, that fastball is absolutely elite. Uh, obviously, the walk rate is a little bit concerning. But again, he's 20 years old, coming out of the bullpen, really honestly for the first time. Um, in his career, uh, I I haven't really moved off my Patino love. So I differ a little bit from you guys. Um, I'm not panicking like that end of the spectrum, but I'm worried. Um, I wouldn't sell him off. I wouldn't try to sell low or anything. But it's just the way he's looked in these outings. Um, he hasn't. It, it seems like he's had a lot of trouble throwing strikes. His changeup doesn't look like it's got the electricity. Uh, that it did last year. And by electricity, I obviously don't mean speed. It's a changeup, but it doesn't look like it's moving. Um, and, and the slider is at best inconsistent. It looked really great when he would snap it off well, but he just wasn't snapping it off as well as you'd, you know, like, and as often as you'd like him to be able to do that. So, you know, it, it's, I still like Patino. He's still got all this electricity and, and yes, he's 20. He hasn't come out of the bullpen, all that, but it's just the way that his stuff looked it's not it's not a matter of the fact that he's walking a lot of guys although that plays into it. it's not a matter of he's just leaving balls over the plate but he's still getting the movement you'd like he's just facing good hitters his stuff just looks different to me this year and so I think that's something to keep an eye on and monitor rather than sell him off immediately but um, I, I'm a little bit more worried I actually have moved him down he's not right behind Gore on my, my Padres list I, I said last night I have Luis Campusano there and it's really tough between him and C.J. Abrams for that 3-4 spot. Yeah, I, I think that with, with Patino, that makes sense to to just watch closely because for me, I think I wonder how much of it is just being unfamiliar with pitching out of a bullpen. 
and and obviously pitching in the major leagues is certainly different. So if some of that stuff doesn't look like it's back to where it was before when he's pitching next season, presumably in the minor leagues, then yeah, I would I could understand being concerned at that point. But we'll, it's just kind of a wait and see. I agree. Number 31 on our top 100 list is Dustin May for the Dodgers. Dustin May is probably known to most baseball fans for his gifts on Pitching Ninja and various other spots because his sinker is absolutely electric, 99 miles an hour with an obscene amount of movement. It's one of the nastiest pitches in baseball just from a pure aesthetic perspective. Uh, But the weird thing about Dustin May is he's not a big strikeout guy. He never was in the minor leagues. He wasn't throughout his 12-game appearance in the major leagues this past season. He had a 2.57 ERA, which is fantastic, but he struck out just under 20% of batters he faced, which is not great for a guy with the stuff that he has. Uh, His overall numbers were really solid otherwise, though. Uh, for me, I think the strikeouts will always cap his fantasy value, but I still think that his fantasy value is a little higher than I would have thought going into the season just because of what we saw. The peripherals don't back up the 257 ERA. I don't think anybody should be expecting him to do that necessarily again, but if he's able to find a way to get to induce more swings and misses and get some more strikeouts, I think he could be a really, really solid arm. Uh, Trevor, what do you think? I think you missed the biggest and, and most impressive part of Dustin May. Uh, his hair his lettuce yeah <laughs> i don't care what anybody says that is my favorite hair in the major leagues and it's be simply because he has a short name and you can never see it on the back of his jersey and i find yep. that hilarious um but in terms of of what dustin may is yeah i mean i don't think he's ever going to strike guys out uh, i think he's going to be fun to watch with that sinker but um i wouldn't expect him to be much more than he was this year and and uh really uh, something we mentioned frequently yesterday, he does play for the Dodgers. So I never know what the Dodgers are planning to do. It looks like he's going to have a role now, but tomorrow mm-hmm. they or next season, they could just decide that, uh, well, you know, maybe Dustin May's sinker, it doesn't sink enough or isn't fast enough. We want him back in AAA. So I don't really <laughs> know what's going to happen there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really do. Um, I, I love Dustin May. Um, yeah, I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, he's not going to give you that the the uh, the amount of K's that you want. Um, but he also really doesn't walk too many uh, too many yeah. batters. He he kind of struggled with that just a tad bit. But throughout his career, he just hasn't uh, struggled with walks. So he's like a super like command type of guy. And that Mm -hmm. is, I honestly think like, if you can get him as your third or fourth starter, you're going to love that guy. You're going to love him because I think it's, it really sucks with Dodgers. Like it's a major Dodgeritis going Mm -hmm. on here, but he is not really just going to, he's not going to blow up your ERA. He's not going to blow up your whip. He's just going to be like that steady Eddie guy that you want as your number three, number four guy, just to be like that glue guy. That is what I love Dustin May. And then just watching him just pitch because he's just fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the Dodgeritis thing is definitely a concern. It will always be a concern until guys become like legitimate top flight starters, which I'm not sure may ever will. You know, I was I I owned May in a handful of leagues. I owned Tony Gonsolin in a handful of leagues, which is just so dang frustrating because you never know what the Dodgers are going to do with those guys. If May holds on to his starting role for a full season, I think he's going to be a great fantasy asset or a good fantasy asset. But again, probably not going to reach that upper echelon just because those strikeout numbers probably aren't going to chase him up there. 
Number 34 on our top 100 list, Spencer Howard for the Philadelphia Phillies. I love Spencer Howard. I've loved him for a long time. Uh, he went to Cal Poly, which is one of my really good friends is the athletic trainer at Cal Poly. And so worked with him a lot when he was uh, still a college student. Obviously, his projection from that to this was pretty alarming. He was kind of a, a, a pop-up prospect who's looked really, really good. Uh, his numbers in the majors weren't great. Uh, sub six, just barely a sub six ERA. Uh, but again, it was six starts. He had a shoulder injury that caused him to miss the rest of the season. Uh, the strikeout to walk numbers were solid, but not great. I think Howard has a higher ceiling for strikeouts, uh, certainly than Dustin May, and certainly more than what we saw from him this past season when he struck out about 20% of guys. Uh, I'm Again, I'm not putting a bunch of stock in six starts when he was dealing with a shoulder injury, uh, but I'm curious, Shelly, what your thoughts are on him going forward. Uh, yeah, um, I've been like, notoriously like down for just a lot of Philly prospects. Um, mm -hmm. But with this extended off season, like I really got into um, the MILB TV stuff and was just mm -hmm. like really looking at guys and I fell in love with Spencer Howard. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be the guy who's actually going to make it out of the Phillies uh, player mm -hmm. dev. Um, and unfortunately he got hurt. Uh, I, I still believe because, I mean, just what he did, um, you know, in 2018, 2019, I, I still believe, especially with that uh, that changeup, that changeup mm -hmm. is so good. Um, I'm still banking that he can maybe get past this shoulder injury. Um, so I, I'm still a fan. Um, I was um, So I'm not going to take a lot of stock into what he did this year. Yeah. And I love... Spencer Howard. Um, I think that's been widely publicized. Uh, my <laughs> my league mates who don't even follow the minor leagues knew to pick up Spencer Howard before I could grab him in a redraft. Um, and he literally texted me and said, I'm taking this next pick so you can't have him. And I said, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Um, but, you know, he came up and, and man, uh, my biggest issue with Spencer Howard and what happened this year is that his changeup is his best secondary pitch his fastballs get is better than it gets credit for too i think but his his changeup is is amazing i love his changeup i want that to be his primary secondary for lack of a better term but it wasn't um you know he, he used the slider a lot more than he did his changeup um if you want to get the percentages he uses changeup 16 percent of the time his slider 22 percent of the time and and i think that if he can find a way to get in counts or get in the situations where he can use his changeup more. I think that's when we're going to start to see Spencer Howard being more what we thought he would be. And I know this is a very small sample size and, and I don't want to take too much from it, but I want to see him getting in those positions to use that changeup and, and become more successful because um, he's, I still think he's very good. I'm still going to um, be all about him. I just, I want to see that changeup used more when he comes back. Yeah, I think his changeup wasn't his best secondary when he was like in the low levels and it wasn't in college. So I'm wondering if maybe he just hasn't quite uh, grown to realize how good of a pitch it is in a sense. Uh, hopefully he can get some uh, uh, some video out and kind of learn to, to use that pitch a little bit more because I agree 100% if he's relying heavy on that changeup. The slider's still a solid pitch too, but if that becomes his, his dedicated number three, I think he's going to be really, really solid. Number 41 on our list was Sixto Sanchez, perhaps 
maybe it's not even perhaps de definitively the most exciting uh, rookie pitcher, uh, at least in terms of uh, just watching him. His stuff was absolutely electric this season. He's throwing 100 mile an hour sinkers and 92 mile an hour changeups with tremendous amount of movement. Uh, the results were really solid as well 3.46 ERA, 1.21 whip, and seven starts. Uh, Sixto was a guy who was, you know, he's lauded for his stuff in the minor leagues when he was with the Phillies and then obviously with the Marlins. Um, but he was never a big strikeout guy. And even in this, uh, this seven start sample size that we saw from him, he struck out about 21% of the guys, which is fine, but it's not elite. You know, it's not, you know, we'll talk about Tarek Skubla here in a second. He was 28% for reference there. And everybody's talking about Sixto Sanchez and the, I, I'm not concerned here. I, I think, you know, his numbers were fantastic. And I I feel like I was proven wrong because I wasn't nearly as high on him as what he was able to do. But I do think that there's a lot of helium surrounding a guy who hasn't ever been a huge strikeout guy. And that makes me wonder if maybe, you know, the bottom's going to fall out a little bit or if he's a, a pretty prime sell high candidate. Uh, Shelly, we'll start with you on, on your thoughts on Sixto. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been, uh, I've just, um, Honestly, I think that uh, Sixto Sanchez is like Dustin May, but just mm -hmm. doesn't have the Dodgeritis uh, card. Mm -hmm. um, he's very electric. He has the same type of like extreme movement on his two seam, um, mm -hmm. and he has kind of like diminished on his strikeouts as he's gone um, since he's debuted. Um, yep. Again, like he's very electric. I love watching him. I just, I just don't see the strikeouts that we saw at the beginning um, of Sixto's kind of uh, career uh, this year. Um, he's going to be really good. Um, I just, he, I just, I'm not, I, I, you know, I saw like where Pedro was like comping himself to Sixto and I'm like, <laughs> Pedro, don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. Because I mean, Pedro is my favorite pitcher of all time. Um, like Sixto is very good. I just don't think that he's going to be that ace that we saw like those first two or three starts out of his career. The prospect that I was most wrong about this year was Sixto Sanchez. Mm -hmm. um, I was not high on Sixto. I thought he was going to struggle. I was wrong. Tends to happen a lot. But <laughs> I, I, uh, man, I loved Sixto, and and. and there's not too much I can add to what you guys have already said, but I will say that I'm a little bit more sold on this. I don't think that I would take him at the um, price he's going to be in redraft leagues um, in those drafts, but I also wouldn't be selling high on him if I owned him in Dynasty because um, I've just heard really good things about the Marlins um, player development recently, and I think we're seeing the results of that a little bit this year. Um with with all these prospects that are coming up for them that are having you know some degree of success so i'm kind of really in on on sixto but i'm not in for the redraft price that he's going to be in drafts next year because i don't think he'll live up to that so once that settles down i'm going to be all about sixto in every single league yeah that that makes a lot of sense i'm glad you mentioned the marlins development because obviously that has been such a huge part of of their turnaround as a franchise in the last year of, you know, you've got, obviously they traded Zach Gallen, but they developed him into what he's become. And Elysia Hernandez and Pablo Lopez and some of the other guys have, have been in Sandy Alcantara. I didn't want to forget him. They've, they've developed pitching really well. And I think that six though, that is something to factor in when you're looking at, you know, the legitimacy of the numbers that he put up. At number 45, I've already teased him a handful of times. Uh, it's Tarek Skubal for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Skubal's numbers, 
Uh, interesting because his numbers don't look great, but I was really, really encouraged by what we saw from him. Uh, I will admit absolutely to being a homer. I've known him for a very long time personally. I worked with him when he was in college, so that has certainly clouded my, my judgment on him. Uh, he made seven starts, pitched in eight total games, a 5.6 ERA, but a 120 whip and a 412 Sierra. So I think he was getting a little unlucky with some of the results there. Uh, 28% strikeout rate is fantastic, 8% walk rate. Uh, but again, I think with Tarek, it's just a, a matter of those secondaries kind of coming around. You know, we saw his fastball is electric at times and, and looks fantastic, but he didn't, he couldn't really, his slider and his uh, curveball still need to be separated a little bit more, which is something I know that he's working on. Uh, the changeup was non-existent and not good in a lot of the spots that he did throw it. So some work to be done, certainly, but I think that the upside here is still very high. And I don't think the results that we saw in this shortened season really indicate what he could become in the next, as soon as next year, if he makes some adjustments. Uh, I know you guys are both uh, Tarek people, but I'll start with you, Shelly. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, um, I I wasn't really expecting too much from Tarek this mm-hmm. year. Uh, uh, he got a late uh, start to, yeah. to summer camp, um, and then just him coming. From you know, he went from um, high A to double A. Like he spent more time in high A than double A last year, and then coming up to the majors, I knew that that was going to be a a big hurdle uh, for him. So there's like basically like two big hurdles. So I wasn't expecting too much. Um, but from the starts that I did see, um, I, I I I'm I'm fine with it. I I like I said, I am I have not moved off my. Uh, Scooble love. And I, I like Scooble. I really do. I'm generally lower than most people on him, um, on, on what his ceiling is. And maybe that's just as in terms of a real life pitcher, um, instead of, as, as instead of a fantasy asset. But the one thing I will say is when you watched Scooble starts last year, there was almost no separation between that slider and curveball, like you mentioned. And, uh, you know, he mentioned to us during PitchCon that he was he was working on that. He was working on reshaping. Well, he reshaped both of those pitches because he was talking about a slider. Um, yeah. and, and you could really tell a difference a lot of times. Sometimes they still bled together, but a lot of times you could really tell the difference between the two pitches. And I think that's huge. Um, and, and I really believe in his ability to continue to work on his game. I think he'll be fine. Um, I just... In order for him to have any degree of of success past what he is right now, I think it's got to come down to the control of one of those off-speed pitches. Um, And that's always kind of been the bugaboo with him. Uh, And and his fastball is fantastic. He had a 70-plus percent usage in in the minors last year with it. And, and, um, you know, you compare that to... Like Lance Lynn is the one you always get, but just mm-hmm. remember, for a pitcher like that, it took Lance Lynn what seven years to become yep. Lance Lynn fantasy player. Yeah, because <laughs> um, he'd always been Lance Lynn. He was he was fine. <laughs> I always liked him when he was with the Cardinals, even. But to become fantasy, you know, top line fantasy guy, Lance Lynn, it took him years to figure that out. And so, if Scooble's going to be one of those fastball guys, it wouldn't surprise me if that kind of similar pattern happened. If he wants to rely on his fastball that much, but. I don't think he's going to have to as long as he can get one of those two distinct breakers working and get that change up back a little bit. Um, not putting too much stock into this. Again, he started really late because he uh, he came down with COVID. 
So, mm-hmm. um, and it, and by the time he came up, I think it was like a month or two later. Like it was a very quick turnaround. So I was surprised to see him make the majors this year. I still like Scooble. Um, I just, I don't know what his fantasy numbers are going to look like. And I don't know that I would personally trust them as much as I love Scooble. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I was shocked that he came up because of how much time he missed with his COVID diagnosis. And I really did not think that he was, we were going to see him at all and certainly not as early in the year as we did. But yeah, I think the biggest thing with him is like uh, when you can throw 70% mm-hmm. fastballs in high A and dudes just cannot hit it at all, you can get away with it. And when you throw, you know, as we saw in his major league debut and in his second start too, he started out with 96, 97 and they got hit for home runs. Like that's the difference when you're facing major league hitters is they can hit those pitches out of the park. And so for him, you know, just making those adjustments, finding ways to either pitch backwards or develop stronger secondaries and be able to attack with the fastball in different ways. And, you know, I think a big thing that we're going to learn a lot about uh, in the next uh, few years is how this Tigers pitching development system is is going you know we've seen a few guys you know matt boyd popped up and looked fantastic for a year and then for a half year really and then hasn't been the same since then spencer turnbull has probably outpitched what was expected of him but like with mize and manning and scooble and to a lesser extent you know guys like franklin mm-hmm. perez and alex fido and and so on we're going to find out if this tigers if their minor league development system can turn these mm-hmm. guys into what they are and scooble himself is already a success story being a, a ninth round pick uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting. to There's things that we can see that we think these guys need to work on. It'll be really interesting to see how that comes together for this team and really crucial to them ever contending uh, for a playoff spot in this and, decade, at least. And of the three, I've always I, – I, I think I have Matt Manning at number one of the three. So we haven't yeah. even seen who I think is yeah. going to be the most exciting of the three. And another guy that you didn't mention that I think is going to be indicative of this Tigers uh, development is uh, Joey Wentz, who yeah. is, who is yeah. out right now going to be coming back from injury and I think it's going to be huge. I've always comped Wentz to uh, Dallas Keuchel. So we'll see what that looks like, but uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting and I'm very hopeful as a pessimistic Tigers fan. (laughs) (laughs) Number 48 on our list was Ian Anderson. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get the chance to write the gift breakdown on Ian Anderson at pitcher list. For those of you who read those, we do, uh, we watch the start and we give up like 20 to 30 of their pitches and talk about kind of what we saw throughout the game. Uh, and I was pretty close to seeing a no hitter in a, in a major league debut for Ian Anderson. I started getting nervous halfway through. I was like, oh man, this better be the best <laughs> gift breakdown ever because everybody's going to read it. Uh, and then I think he got taken deep by Luke Voigt and lost the no no. But it was an incredible first start for him. And then he just kept on pitching. He had an incredible six start run. He looked good in the playoffs. A 195 ERA for Anderson on the season, 108 whip, 30% strikeout rate, 10% walkout, walk rate, excuse me. An incredible debut. I mean, simply put, it was outstanding what Ian Anderson did. Uh, I was one of the lower people on him coming into the season. So, again, always happy to be wrong when I was lower on guys. But for him to do this at age 22, uh, in a you know in a six game sample in the major leagues is, is absolutely incredible. Obviously, you know the the raw numbers are not sustainable. He's not going to be a sub two pitcher going forward in the ERA department. But I I loved what I saw and I'm really excited about him going forward. Uh, Trevor, what did you think? So last year when Nick and I did this, uh, let's look at all of the pitchers that are you know that are in the minors, the top prospects, and let's introduce Nick to pitching prospects. Nick loved Ian Anderson. I did not, and it's very weird that Andy and I always agree, but it's we'll ignore <laughs> that. Uh, I was not in on any, Ian Anderson. I'm happy that I'm wrong, and I, I love that I'm wrong. 
Um, and the reason that I was not as in on him is because his calling card pitch was his changeup, and maybe I just caught the wrong starts. I never saw it with his changeup. I, I always thought that it was, you know, average at best, and I, I just didn't know how it was going to play. His changeup is so good, guys. <laughs> we are we are uh, seeing that it got on uh, pitching ninja what today or whatever his last playoff start was. So, um, you know, I, I I like him a lot more now that I've I've been exposed a little bit more to him and. Uh, Man, I, I'm happy that he's he's throwing well. Uh, yeah, I uh, I was kind of like mid pack when it came to Ian Anderson. Um, I, I I love the strikeout stuff, um, and I was a little bit more concerned about like the the control. Um, but if you dig more into like his uh, instead of like looking at just like the season uh, numbers and he went more by game by game. Um, he definitely started to get like uh, you know more control. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Like his walk rates started like decreasing as you know the months went on. Um, but I was really not expecting this for me and Anderson, you know. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in his you know in his regular season and playoff starts, like he's looked phenomenal. Um, um i'm just i don't know maybe i maybe i was wrong as well i was a little bit more down on him um but uh he's looked really good um so maybe there's actually a a brace prospect pitcher that can actually fulfill his uh other than mike soroka can kind of fulfill his uh you know prospect pedigree well, that's what I was going to say is I, I think part of my Anderson, like dropping Anderson a little bit was just like general prospect fatigue about Braves pitchers, which isn't fair, but I think that that's yeah. probably contributed a little bit to, to what I thought about Anderson. Uh, but yeah, I think too, it's interesting that there's a handful of pitchers on here where their stuff doesn't necessarily equate to their strikeout numbers. And Sixto and Dustin May were the two that we talked about uh, at the onset who have electric stuff, but don't get a lot of strikeouts. And Anderson's got really good stuff, but if you, you know, if you're a casual viewer of baseball and you watch a start i don't think you're going to expect that he's like a borderline elite strikeout guy you know his fastball does, isn't explosive in the way that uh six or maze is and even his changeup which is a great pitch like it doesn't look as incredible as some of those other pitches do uh, certainly mm-hmm. at least in the debut that i watched i remember thinking like how is this pitch being so effective but he just he tunnels really well and He's a very smart cerebral pitcher, which helps. And his strikeout numbers in the minor leagues have been staggering since 2016. So it's not like this is a, a new fluky thing for Anderson. He's a strikeout guy. And it, you know, I, I don't see any reason why that would go away. I think the command is the is the catch here. And something that, you know, it, he looked good with it in the first little sample here, but he's gonna need to 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 reel that in consistently in order to be a legitimate fantasy asset. But I think it's pretty uh, there's a lot of optimism that that could happen, certainly. Uh, number 51 on our top 100 list was Mitch Keller. Uh, Mitch Keller made five starts for the Pirates this year, uh, obviously dealt with the injury. Uh, the thing that I find super, super interesting about Mitch Keller is he made 11 starts last season for the Pirates, uh, and he made five starts this season for the Pirates, and his statistics compared to his peripherals kind of flip. <laughs> he had a 7.13 ERA. 11 starts in 2019, which is obviously awful, but his peripherals were way, way better than that. He was struck out a ton of guys. His walks were down. His FIP was 3.1. So like obviously really, really unlucky. And then this season he had a 2.91 ERA, which is fantastic, but a 6.75 FIP, 
his strikeout numbers were n- nearly cut in half. His walk rate was more than double what it was last year. Again, both situations are tiny sample sizes. I just find it funny that his two years were like borderline flipped for each other. So uh, I still really like Keller. I, he was dealing with injuries, uh, which is certainly something to watch with Mitch Keller. Uh, and then obviously the command was atrocious this past season. Uh, it was pretty solid in the minor league, so not something I'm overly concerned about. But I think a lot of his future success will depend on him being able to command the strike zone and avoid the walks. Uh, Trevor, we'll start with you. What did you think about Mitch Keller? This was a big year for me in terms of uh, of Mitch Keller. Um mm-hmm. I was half out on him uh, at the end of last year. And then they had the pitching coach change in, in Pittsburgh. And I thought, you know, maybe the new pitching coach has got something for Mitch Keller. I really don't think he does. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned about his, his command to the point where I'm kind of just going to be out on Mitch Keller and very much hope I'm proven wrong. Cause he can be a lot of fun if he can figure mm-hmm. it out. But um you know, there's the Pirates' development of that pitching. I mean, I, I think even with, in the case of Shane Baz, I think he took a massive step forward once he left the Pirates organization. So um, I'm kind of completely out on Keller at the moment. Yeah, I, I don't know what I feel about Keller. Um, uh, I just thought that he was like getting like really unlucky last year. And then coming into this season, like his velocity was like noticeably down, like maybe two to three ticks. And then he went on the IL. Um, and then when he came back, the velocity ticked back up. Uh, the strikeouts came up, uh, but the walks, uh, the, 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 you know, the command was just still not quite there. But it's like, I, I still believe in the talent um, that maybe I'll give him another year to see because I mean, he dealt with injury. Um, the the pirates are still gone, kind of going through like their transition phase from the last regime to this regime. Uh, the the strikeouts came back up, the velocity was back up. So I'm kind of giving giving him a mulligan for this year, um, knowing that I will probably be proven wrong. I will always, for some reason, I am attracted to pirates pitchers. I have no idea why. Um, so he'll probably be, you know, he'll probably prove me wrong, just like Joe Musgrove, just like so many other Pirates pitchers. Um, but I'm just kind of giving him a mulligan for this year. I can think of a few teams that I would rather, like, that is probably the worst team to be attracted to their pitchers because it's it's never going (laughs) to work. (laughs) They have to get traded, which maybe you never know, but... All right, number 77 on our list was Dodgers right-hander Broussard Greater. Uh, wow, I do not know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Greaterall? Um, Greaterall was a reliever this year, 23 games, only made two starts. I think they were both bullpen games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, weirdly, didn't have a big strikeout numbers for a guy who, you know, when he was in the Twins organization, had a ton of velocity, looked like, the, like a top-of-the-line starter potentially, or at least a mid-rotation guy. Gets transitioned to the bullpen where you're hoping his stuff will play up even more. Uh, and he struck out 15% of the guys that he faced. Uh, again, you know, 23 games as a reliever is not a, or 21 games as a reliever, not a huge sample. Uh, his walk rate was fantastic, 3.4% walks, which is fantastic. But it's hard to get really excited about a reliever who's not striking guys out, especially when he was, you know, a top, top 80 prospect for us uh, just a few months ago. Uh, Shelly, we'll start with you. What do you think about Greater All? 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I honestly, um, I mean, he really uses that two seamer, just like Justin May, just like uh, Sixto Sanchez, mm-hmm. um, that gets a lot of the east west movement versus the north south movement, which looks really good. It's got a lot of movement, but it's more of it gets more like ground balls and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that he's going to be a really effective reliever. Um, I don't think that it. Uh, starting is in the you know in the Dodgers plans for Gratterall. Uh but I think that he's going to be like a really good reliever. Um, I, I really wish he could get like a power sinker and be maybe like a, a Zach Britton type, but I don't know if he'll ever get there. Um, I just think he's going to be a good bullpen piece uh, for the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I just yeah those the those K's kind of was kind of shocking, but which kind of dig in. I just think that he's got that that power sinker that gets those ground balls. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for Gratterall um, because even though he wasn't directly in the trade, he's going to forever be linked to Mookie Betts. Yeah, <laughs> uh, even though they got traded in different trades to the same team. Yeah, it was his uh, arm health that kind of made the deal fall apart originally. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, so um, you know, I, I think I would take Gratterall as a um, cautionary tale for those who just believe every pitcher's stuff is going to play up in the bullpen. Um, <laughs> that's not always the case. Uh, not every pitcher can just get better as a bullpen arm, and and uh, I think Gratterall will be fine. I think he's going to be a great reliever. He didn't have the strikeout numbers that that you know you thought he might when his stuff can play up, but you know between the plus fastball and the plus uh, slider, I think he'll be fine as a bullpen arm. I think he'll have his moments where the strikeouts are there, but uh, like Shelly said, he'll just be a solid arm for uh, for the uh, Dodgers bullpen. I think this goes without saying for, I know obviously people listen to this primarily for fantasy advice. Uh, solid bullpen arm is great in real life. It's not great in fantasy, uh, <laughs> depending on your format, certainly uh, saves holds uh, or case per nine. If those numbers come up, he's maybe, maybe relevant there, but for the most part, uh, you know, certainly not a top 100 uh, prospect in terms of uh, fantasy at this point anymore, but a guy to keep an eye on, especially if uh, he either ends up on a different team or potentially contends for, for some saves down the line. But for right now, he's just a really good middle reliever, which is great, but not great for fantasy. Next up, number 78, Davey Garcia. Garcia, 21 years old, uh, made his debut for the New York Yankees. Uh, looked really good, I thought. Uh, you know, his ERA was about five, which certainly isn't great, but uh, 119 whip was great. Uh, 20, just, just under 23% strikeout rate and only a 4% walk rate. Uh, I'm will always be fascinated by guys who are that young, who don't walk hitters in the major leagues. Like it's really, really hard to do that. Uh, you know, in 34 innings to walk as few guys as he did is certainly interesting. Uh, I was not expecting this from him. You know, he's a guy that I like and he put up good numbers in triple a last year. He put up good strikeout to walk numbers in triple a last year, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure he would come in and light the light the major leagues on fire uh, with, with what he did, but I I'm, I'm pretty interested in Garcia going forward. Um, I, I don't know if he'll have a spot next year with the Yankees. Obviously they're going to try to 
uh, revamp. They had some serious issues with their pitching rotation this year with injuries and and some ineffectiveness with guys like Paxton and obviously Luis Severino missed the year. But uh, he's a guy that I'm, I'm definitely more invested in long term than I was before, prior to the season. And uh, I'm not super optimistic that that walk numbers will keep because he was uh, his walk numbers in the higher levels of the minor leagues were not nearly that good. Uh, but it was really fun to see him do well in his uh, little cameo this season. Uh, Shelly, what did you think? I was uh, totally surprised about Debbie Garcia when I saw that he was coming up. Um, I've seen him a couple of times in double A um, and he had electric stuff, but sometimes, you know, he couldn't hit, you know, the broad side of a barn kind of thing. Like there were times where like an inning, he would be like totally, totally locked in. And then like the next inning, he'll come out and it was just all over the place. So that's really what I was expecting to see. And that is not what I saw. Like I, there was very rarely where I would see that Garcia would like really lose his command um, going from inning to inning. Um, and I was just totally shocked. But we didn't really see like those huge uh, K outings as well. So honestly, I have really no idea uh, how uh, what I really feel about Garcia going forward. Um, I, I had kind of penciled him in as just kind of a really good like bullpen guy because he's smaller in stature. Uh, he has huge K numbers, but he also would really lose his command um, as the innings would go on. Uh, but that's not what we saw this year. So I'm kind of intrigued. Um, I am just kind of holding steady on uh, what I thought that he was going to be and just kind of watching him um, going into next season. I always like, uh, and, and it's always good for fan bases when you have two guys who you can just argue about who's better um, <laughs> in your minor leagues. And, and the, the Yankees had that this year with Garcia and Clark Schmidt. And I always sided with Garcia. Mm-hmm. I love Debbie Garcia. Um, and, and, a lot of that comes from my my initial exposure to him was watching him be in complete command of a futures game. Um, you know, he he got the ball to start and he was it was his inning there. He was completely dominant. Might have gotten two innings. I don't even remember, but he was just so good. Um, and, and I've kind of carried that on. I've watched a bunch of his starts, and yeah, he's inconsistent. Absolutely, I'm not worried about the strikeout numbers. I think they'll rise when he starts to use his uh, curveball a little more because I think that's his best pitch. I don't I don't think we saw it enough this year in his short stint. Um, and, and I don't think he'll be relevant in 2021 either unless there's going to be injuries to the Yankees rotation, which history says you can almost expect. <laughs> but, um, you know, barring those injuries, I don't know you'll see him in 2021. And I think future-wise, though, if he can – kind of focus in a little more and, and be consistent. I'm a big fan of Garcia. And number 82 on our list, Jose Urquidy from the Houston Astros. Urquidy was barely still prospect eligible coming into this season. I think he'd thrown like 48 or 49 innings uh, last season with the Astros. He missed most of the season on the COVID IL. Uh, he did make five starts down the stretch and was a huge boost to my specific ale only dynasty fantasy team. I was really happy to get him back. I almost cut him so many times because it was hard to roster somebody who wasn't playing, but he had that two, seven, three ERA and a 
whip just over one. Uh, the peripherals don't love his numbers as much. Again, in a, in a small sample size, obviously, there's some variety there. Uh, 15% strikeout rate, 7% walk rates. It's pretty average stuff. Uh, but that strikeout rate was much, much higher last season uh, when he pitched for the Astros and has been pretty high in the major league or in the minor league, excuse me. So I think that that was probably more of an aberration than anything. Same with the walk rate, which was higher than he'd ever posted at any stop in the minor leagues, except uh, a five game sample in 2015 at short season. So uh, he's a guy that's got good command. That's got decent strikeout stuff. Didn't quite show up last year, but the results were still pretty solid. Uh, I'm curious, obviously the Astros have a pretty strong history of, of developing pitching prospects. And we saw a lot of success with guys like Christian Javier and Framber Valdez this season. I'm curious what you guys think of uh, Rikidi going forward. Shelly, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I'm giving, uh, um, I'm giving Jose uh, just a big, Mulligan this year. I mean, he missed so much time. Um, and I was a big fan of him. Um, you know, um, coming, you know, as I saw him kind of like progressing in AAA last year, well, double A and then AAA last year. Um, I was a totally big fan. Um, and I'm just really just going to give him a mulligan. Um, I've seen a few starts and I can see a couple innings there where it's like, oh, yeah, that was the equity that I saw last year, but then it would kind of like tail off. But knowing how much, you know, stuff that he had to deal with this year, I'm giving him a mulligan and I'm just excited to see him next year. I am um, really just going to be banking on the Astros history of taking these guys who have a handful of, Really, I, I mean, I'm just going to call them average pitches, uh, you know, maybe even below average at times, and just making them the pitches better themselves, doing whatever they do with the pitchers, working their magic uh, with these pitchers. And, and, and I, I like Urquidy. Um I have not rostered him anywhere ever, but he's fun to watch. And, and that's yeah. kind of the trend with the Astros is they'll take these guys who I really really believe would otherwise be fairly bland but solid and they make them fun uh and that's that's kind of uh Urquidy's another one of those arms to me yeah i think i mean i talked about javier and valdez obviously javier was a prospect who pitched this year but he was not on our top 100 list because he wasn't really on anybody's top 100 list and he came out and had a pretty incredible uh, start to his major league career this season with the Astros and they just do this this is what they do they're they're really good at it for for a variety of different reasons uh, development and and they target guys who have high spin rates and, and are able to kind of manufacture really good pitchers out of guys who maybe weren't expected to be that so you kind of got to bank on that with a guy like Arkady that that will continue and that hopefully it'll work out obviously they've had some some guys that we were hoping would turn it around who didn't like Josh James is a big example of that obviously but uh, Arkady is a guy I'm pretty excited about and i'm excited to see what he does uh, going forward for 91 on our list kyle wright the first of a handful of names that are kind of contribute to that braves fatigue that we were talking about earlier with ian anderson uh wright has pitched in the major leagues in each of the last three seasons uh he's thrown 63 career major league innings so he is no longer prospect eligible but he also has a 6.22 career era in the major leagues in those 63 innings so it's again, that's still a, a very small sample size and across three seasons at kind of wonky times, it's hard to try to put too much stock into that, but it's also hard to still be excited about him. Uh, this season, eight, he made eight of those starts, five to one ERA, 18% uh, strikeout rate and 14% walk rate. Just, just wasn't 
really very good. And the Braves were just desperate for anybody to come in and be successful on the bump. Obviously, they dealt with a ton of injuries and some ineffectiveness from Mike Fultinewicz and Sean Newcomb. And obviously, losing Soroka, it was just a, a tough year for the Braves on the bump. And and they really needed Wright to step up and be the guy that they hoped he would be when he was the fifth overall pick. And it just didn't happen. And you can probably tell I'm, I'm pretty out at this point. He's a 25-year-old guy with a ERA above six in the major leagues. It's hard to be super excited here, but uh, you know, I'd love to hear if you guys have different opinions. Uh, Trevor, what, what do you think? Back uh, when he was drafted in 2017, I, I was seeing his highlights from Vanderbilt, and I fell in love <laughs> with Kyle Wright. His stuff was so nice, and oh, it was so his curveball looked like it was, uh, you know, going to be unhittable. Mm. None of that is true anymore. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's struggled. He's walked a lot of guys. I think he had a couple of good starts um, to end the year or kind of the last couple starts, I think, were really good, which just means I'm going to keep just saying, let's wait on Kyle Wright, maybe. (laughs) Um, Because I just can't get over that initial, like, seeing his Vanderbilt highlights. And hopefully I'll eventually Mm -hmm. climb that wall. But I'm still a little bit in on Kyle Wright just to see if he can throw it together when he's not pitching you know, to become not prospect eligible over three seasons. Hmm. Yeah. um, I, I, I wish I had Trevor's enthusiasm when it comes to guy, right? Like I was really uh, kind of like impressed, like with his like last couple, like last, I think three starts, you know, in September, he was like looking pretty good, but it's just like everything else is just kind of like, number five spot starter type. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm kind of out, um, you know, same as you, Andy, I'm just kind of out um, until I'll see a little bit more. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, obviously every dynasty league is a little bit different and in super deep leagues or moderately deep leagues, you're probably holding and hoping, but it's, yeah, it's tough to, to consider rostering him right now. He just, he's had a handful of opportunities and hasn't, Hasn't pitched well with them. So hopefully he'll turn it around. I know that there's a lot of talent there, but just we haven't seen it yet. Number 115 on our top 157 list from before the season started, Kansas City Royals right-hander Brady Singer. Uh, Singer was, I think he pitched more than any other like straight rookie or straight major league debut guy. He threw 64 innings. There were not a lot of players, uh, specifically on the pitching side, who made their debut this season and also lost their eligibility as a prospect. He's one of very, very few who did that. He threw 64 innings across 12 starts, 4.06 ERA. Uh, I really liked what we saw from Singer. Uh, I was just looking at his uh, fan graphs page and his numbers in AA last season. And his numbers in the major leagues were frighteningly similar. Like his strikeout to walk ratio was very similar. He walked a few more in the big leagues. Uh, His ERA was slightly worse in the major leagues, but not dramatically. Home run to fly ball rate was very similar. It's just kind of interesting that he he did a lot of really similar things. Uh, A guy who has very little minor league experience. You know, he was drafted uh, in 2018 and he didn't pitch the rest of that season. So he's only thrown one minor league season for him to come out and, and have this level of success in the major leagues is, is pretty awesome. He's a guy that uh, I was excited to see him do well. I wasn't super high on him before the season started, um, but I'm, I'm definitely up on him right now, just based on what we saw from him uh, over these 12 starts. Uh, Shelly, what did you think? Uh, yeah. Coming into the season, um, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I was pleased uh, and surprised that Kansas City uh, called him up and, you know, started him, you know, 
he was in the rotation as the season started. Um, love to see that. Um, I mean, honestly, I had uh, I had Singer number three out of. I mean, Kansas City has like some pretty good arms there, but I had um, mm. I had Lynch and Kowar ahead of Singer. Mm. Um, and at, at you know his first couple starts looked pretty good, um, mm. but then once he hit August, I mean, like I'm I'm looking at his game log. At the beginning of August, he went Chicago, Twins, 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 <laughs> Twins, White Sox, White Sox, Cleveland. Like that's uh, and it oh, kind of yeah, it, it kind of like tailed off with the you know you know uh, with the opponent difficulty towards the end of the season. But it was just like so crazy, like his his game log. But I mean, he still put up a a really good line. Um, and uh, honestly, I'm very, uh, I was very impressed with what I saw. Um, I still think that he's probably like a number two, number three type of guy, but he definitely impressed me this year. So I was high on Singer coming into the year, um, and, and he might be my favorite player in the history of the world because uh, Nick Pollock did not like Brady Singer, and I did, and now Nick <laughs> Pollock likes Brady Singer. Um, <laughs> and, and part of that comes from Nick didn't, think that Singer had a changeup, didn't see the changeup, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like Singer. As a fantasy asset, I don't like Singer as much, but that's just because of one of the main things you really like about Singer is the arm side run he's able to get on his fastball. Um, mm-hmm. And, and that kind of, I think, comes from from his arm slot more than anything else and, and the spin he's able to get from that. But um, that just means he's going to be like Dustin May and, and Sixo Sanchez. He's going to get contact. I mean, I think his ground ball rate is ridiculous without looking it up. I'm sure that it's, it's uh, a pretty good one over 50%, I would imagine at least. So um, that's kind of what you're going to get with him. And he's got, he's got, you know, he'll have a slider as a secondary. He'll have a changeup that he can use. I don't know. He's ever going to be a strikeout guy, but I think he'll be a very good pitcher for the Royals in real life. And if you're talking about fantasy, then I agree with Shelly. He's probably uh, fourth now that the, uh, Royals have, um, oh, who was it? Lacey. Lacey they drafted, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. In terms of fantasies, I, I think he would be down there. But in terms of real life, I, I was so excited to see him. I was so ready for him to be good, and I was so happy when he performed well. Yeah, I, I, I think I have Singer right between third and fourth. It's close between him and Kowar in that uh, system for the for the Royals. But yeah, it's it's so funny looking at his game logs. He had five straight starts that were either the Twins or the White Sox, and he gave up. <laughs> three or more runs and all but one of them. And then he gets the Indians and the Tigers and he throws 14 shutout innings with 16 strikeouts between those two games. So like I mean, magic. Yeah, that's right. And then, <laughs> then he finished the season, seven innings, one earned five strikeouts, no walks against the Tigers. So, I mean, it's, it's hard to look too much into that. Obviously every season's not going to be only facing the American league and national league central, which certainly probably helped his numbers a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he's a guy that I, I think is, is going to be a, a good pitcher and a decent fantasy asset. And I think we kind of saw that already this year. Like, I think it's nice when guys kind of show you who they are right off the bat. Cause I think that this is more or less what you're going to get. Right, number 117, we kind of, we touched on him a little bit earlier. Trevor did with uh, the Davy Garcia and Clark Schmidt comparison. Uh, Clark Schmidt. Uh, I'm, I'm high on Garcia personally, uh, higher than I, 
than I am on Schmidt, at least. Uh, Schmidt only threw six and a third innings this season, so you know you can't really judge anything off that. His numbers were, were bad in those six and six innings, but again, you know that's that's just some sample size weirdness. But I, I I like Schmidt's stuff. I think he's a guy that like certainly on video he pops more than a guy like Garcia might, just because he he throws harder. His stuff's got a lot of movement. Garcia's stuff doesn't look as intimidating on video, but he just has a lot of deception in his game, which is how he's very effective. Uh, Schmidt, I'm I'm wondering how much longer, I mean, is he going to be a starter long-term is a thing that I have just wondered about him. Obviously he's been a starter throughout the minor leagues. I don't, I'm not reading too much into the Yankees pitching him out of the pen this year because it was just, a, they needed arms and he was the best arm that was available to them in the minor leagues. But I just, I, I see a guy who I think, could end up in the bullpen long-term, especially if the command issues that he's shown uh, in the minor leagues don't really kind of pan out. Uh, Shelly, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Schmidt? Uh, Yeah, coming into the season, um, I had Schmidt above Garcia because I thought Garcia, just all those walk issues. Um, Mm. But seeing that the Yankees went to Garcia before they went to Schmidt, and he's going to be 25 coming into the uh, coming into next season. He'll turn uh, 25 in uh, February, late February. Uh, just knowing that he hasn't really gotten a run with the Yankees, and he'll be 25. It's a bit concerning. I, I've I've loved the guy. Um, I, I I but just. The age and the ineffectiveness this year and how the Yankees are always competing, uh, they'll probably just try to sign guys. Um, unless he pops um, at the you know in spring training, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've been moving him down um, my dynasty rankings because of just his uh, honestly, because of his age and the team that he's play, he plays for. I worry sometimes about how prospects gain their helium. Um, (laughs) You know, you want them to do it by their numbers, obviously, in performance. With Schmidt, like, people knew about Clark Schmidt, and then spring training this last year, video of him making hitters look silly uh, surfaced, and then Clark Schmidt gained his helium. Like, more so than anything that I I really had would have been able to tell you. And maybe among Yankee communities I'm not in, maybe they love Clark Schmidt. I don't know. But I'm just talking in general – you know, in the circles that I can see, that's kind of when Clark Schmidt became Clark Schmidt. And I'm, I just am always super wary of that um, because I never saw it in the full starts that I would watch, which I mean, granted is only a handful. Um, and that's why I was with Garcia over Schmidt. So it just takes a minute after somebody gains their helium that way for me to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I see it. Cause obviously his stuff is fantastic, but I'm just, I, I'm just cautious on, on Clark Schmidt. Yeah. Number 124 on our list, Seattle Mariners right-hander Justin Dunn. It's kind of crazy after this season to after the season that they both had to see Dunn on this list and not Justice Sheffield, who had a considerably better season and obviously was previously a very highly touted prospect. Obviously, Sheffield really struggled in 2019, and that's why he wasn't on these lists. Uh, but Dunn, Dunn had three straight quality starts at one point during the middle of the season. And I remember thinking like, Oh, okay, maybe, but pretty much the rest of the time he just wasn't good. And his stuff, he, his command is just not there. It it hasn't been there. Uh, It seems like he's his first major league start was with the Mariners through two thirds of an inning. And I think he walked five or something like that. And I was like, okay, he's nervous. and, And that happens. But 
is he, is he still nervous? Like he's still, he's still walking 16% of the guys he's facing, uh, striking out just under 20%. Um, I've always thought he strikes me as a bullpen guy. And I know Trevor kind of cautioned against expecting guys to have their stuff play up in the bullpen. And certainly it doesn't always happen, but a guy like Dunn who has a really hard fastball, a good slider and his other secondaries just aren't there. They're wait- the Mariners have been waiting for him. The Mets were waiting for him and they just never really have materialized. I think he could be a good reliever with that fastball slider combination. He still has some command issues that he would need to work through to be viable really at all. But I'm, I'm not, I'm out on him completely as a starter. I think the Mariners should heavily consider that move for him in the near future uh, because I think that that's where he's going to be successful. Uh, Trevor, what are your thoughts? I don't want to be as rude and just say I'm completely out on him. But what I will say is I think the Mariners should be fortunate that you don't have to rely on Justin Dunn to be the winning piece of that trade. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that I'll leave it at that because that's kind of how I feel about Justin Dunn right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've just been very surprised the lack of control that Justin ha- D- Justin Dunn has had. Um, I, I mean, I was you know like a semi fan when he was with the Mets, and I'm like, okay, he's going to the Mariners. They're doing they're doing some things. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. like his control has just been just. I, I've watched a couple of his starts this year, and it's just like all over the place. So, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that he's a starter going forward, especially with what the Mariners have uh, coming up behind him. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. With Gilbert and Hancock and Kirby and, and those guys coming up, I think that it's it's probably time for him to make that move. And I think he could be really good there. Like I think he has a, a path to success in the big leagues. It's just not where he currently is. Yeah. I would caution that, though, with uh, Spencer Turnbull, because I was saying very similar things about Spencer mm-hmm. Turnbull, about how, well, he's fine right now in the back end, but he'll make a really good uh, back end of the rotation. He'll make a really good reliever once Mize Manning, Scooble, whoever else is there. Mm-hmm. And now Spencer Turnbull's fairly good. So if something clicks, I mean, hey, go Justin Dunn. But right now I tend to agree. I thought the same on Turnbull, so I agree. I hope that I'm wrong. I always hope that guys can can make those adjustments, but <laughs> that's where I feel at least right now with Dunn. For 136, the other brave that there's some fatigue on, Bryce Wilson. Wilson has been in the big big leagues in each of the past three seasons as well, yet he is still prospect eligible because he hasn't thrown a lot in any of those seasons. Uh, This past year, he made uh, appearances in six games. Two of them were starts. Uh, 402 ERA, not so bad. Uh, 509 Sierra is kind of concerning. The 172 whip is certainly an issue. Uh, 20.5 strikeout rate, not so bad. Uh, 12% walk rate, obviously concerned. So Wilson's another guy that I, I was really high on him. Obviously, coming up to the Brave system, he was kind of in that grouping of guys that you were expecting to have a, a big three-headed monster of pitchers up at the front of the rotation, and it just hasn't quite materialized. Uh, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of debating in my head how I feel about him and Wright comparatively. I think I like Wright's stuff better, but neither of them have really showed what I think they're capable of in the major leagues, and I'm pretty. Uh, uh, weary that either of them are ever going to get where I think they need to be. Shelly, what do you think on Wilson? Uh, yeah, I, I feel the same. Um, I, I mean, this is kind of like the thing, like with the, the Braves, like they, they drafted like all of these pitchers. Um, and I mean, two of them turned out, I mean, we got Soroka and Anderson. Um, I think Freed they traded for, but I mean, um, but I mean, you get these guys that just just can't quite get it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I really just 
do think that he's going to be a bullpen piece. Um, that command is just not there. Um, we the, the Braves have tried it, you know, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. It, they just can't quite get it. They keep signing like older guys to try to fill in. So mm-hmm. I think the writing is on the wall that, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think Bryce really has it to make it as a starter, unfortunately. Yeah, save for Kyle Wright. I just am fatigued on all Braves pitchers, and that includes Kyle Wright to an extent, but I just can't give up hope. But, you know, Wilson, you know, I I am out on Wilson, obviously, same reason you guys are. I could also see a world where the Braves DFA Wilson and he gets kicked around to the right organization. Let's call him the Houston Astros. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> um, you know, Bryce Wilson it reemerges. And I, I could see a world where that happens, but with the Braves, no, I'm kind of out on, on Bryce Wilson. Three more arms for us to discuss who are on our top 157 list. Uh, all of them got gift breakdown treatment from pitcher list. Uh, we'll start with Chris Bubich of the Kansas City Royals. I think pretty clearly fifth on our – or fourth, fifth on our – uh, Royals list of pitchers. They have such a deep farm system of arms, but uh, he made 10 starts this season, 4-3-2 ERA, 1-4-8 whip. Uh, pretty solid stuff from him for a guy who hadn't pitched above high A at all. You know, he made 17 starts at that level in 2019, but no pitching at double A, no pitching at triple A. For him to come in and make 10 starts in the big leagues and have some level of success was pretty great. Uh, the walk rate was pretty high. I'm not super surprised by that for a guy uh, with his lack of experience in the minor leagues, but yeah, I think a guy that I'm vaguely interested in, but I, I don't expect him to be like supremely fantasy relevant. I think that kind of the numbers that we saw are probably not going to be that different from what he's capable of doing. Maybe a guy you end up streaming in the next few years against the bad offenses and kind of that's the extent of what he is as a fantasy asset. Trevor, if I'm not mistaken, you were the one who wrote the breakdown here, so I'm going to let you go first. I did write the gift breakdown for him, and and uh, because of that, I, I'm going to confidently say that I think that he'll strike more batters out. I think we'll see that that number rise a little because mm-hmm. um, I think he's got the stuff to do it, and not only does he have the stuff, he's got a funky delivery, and I think that yeah. plays into the deception that is that was very, very clear uh, when, when – you watched him start. He was very, really nervous in that debut and, and uh, his stuff was kind of all over the place. I think, you know, I'm not really worried about the walk rates yet, um, but he's got a really nice change up and that is all deception. I mean, it, it's hard to tell out of the hand if it's that fastball, which is not as good, but will play up, I think because of the funky delivery and then his change up, which is fantastic. Uh, I, I see more strikeouts in the future, and and I really like uh, Chris Bubich. He's not going to be, you know, I, I do think he's below Brady Singer and below Coar and Lynch and Lacey, and it, it feels like I'm forgetting one, but I don't think I am. But uh, um, I, I think he's below all them, but I still think the strikeout numbers will come up, and I think he'll be a little bit above a streaming option. I think you'll want to roster him. Uh, yeah, um, I, I was... Uh you know, pretty surprised that he got the call, um, you know, seeing that he pitched, uh, you know, he hasn't pitched above high A. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess from that standpoint, um, I was pretty pleased. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to defer uh, with Trevor <laughs> here. Um, I Honestly, I hadn't really seen too many of his starts. Um, but um, I, I mean, I saw him at a the Futures game last year, I think in an inning, and he looked like 
really, really good. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to defer to Trevor here. Yeah, certainly the, if the strikeout numbers do tick up a bit, that would make him him more interesting. So I hope that it does. That would be that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Number 138 on our list, Dane Dunning. Dunning was probably one of my favorite pitchers we got to see pitch this year just because he'd been through – he'd missed all of last season with Tommy John surgery. And there was a couple of guys, obviously we'll get to the next one as well, who – uh, missed all of last season and I was worried they would have to miss all of this season too because they weren't going to get a call or they weren't going to be quite ready and it just it sucks to see anybody lose two full years and uh, instead Dunning managed to come up he made seven starts and he looked really good it's just under a four ERA but a 112 whip which is excellent 25% strikeout rate 9% walk rate uh, I loved watching Dane Dunning pitch I think he may have pitched a little over uh, what he's capable of just in terms of some of the numbers that we saw but he had really good strikeout numbers in the minor leagues too as well so it's not like this was completely unprecedented for him uh, the White Sox obviously have have had some interesting luck with some of their pitching prospects obviously you know guys like Carlos Rodon who's dealt with all the injuries and Ronaldo Lopez who struggled a lot but they had a guy like Giolito who came out of uh, not out of nowhere but who popped really you know, after a year or two in their system. So I'm kind of hoping that Dunning is a guy that can really kind of find himself and, and develop into the pitcher that we think he's capable of being. And so far, so good through these first seven starts. Uh, Shelly, I'll start with you. What do you think about Dane Dunning? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really liked uh, Dane Dunning. Um, I, I loved all his starts. I caught a, a couple of his first ones and it looked like really good. Um, I, I really wasn't expecting him to look that good because I mean, he missed all of, all of last year and i mean he only pitched what 80 86 innings in 2018 so i wasn't really um expecting much but i was very impressed um again like i mean like you said i do think that he's maybe pitching a little bit above his head um i he does have a little bit to work on when it you know comes to hits and 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 walks and stuff like that maybe even have runs as well um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think that the, uh, the, the White Sox actually have, uh, like a good three, number four type starter here. And I haven't seen Dane Dunning pitch a whole lot, so I'll do the deferring thing to what you guys say about him. What I will say is that I've talked to White Sox fans who, uh, now that you have Dane Dunning, no longer see the need for Michael Kopech. And I just want to say that oh. I think that's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and, and and wrong, and and don't forget about Michael Kopech because I don't know what he'll be after a couple of years off here after opting out this year. But I mean, he's going to be a, another fun guy and another potential weapon for the White Sox. So Dane Dunning being what he is, fantastic. I'm happy for him. Haven't seen much of him. Can't speak on it. But don't let Dane Dunning deter you from Michael Kopech. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our last name that we're going to discuss who was on our list is Tristan McKenzie. So many similarities between Dunning and McKenzie just in terms of their kind of process to getting to the major leagues. Uh, Dunning made seven starts this year after missing all of last season. McKenzie made eight starts this year, or excuse me, six starts, eight appearances after missing all of last season with Tommy John surgery. Like you said, Dunning threw 86 innings in the minor leagues in 2018 and then missed 2019. McKenzie threw 90 innings. So like really, really similar spots for them to kind of be uh, in their careers. Both of them had a ton of success this year. Uh, McKenzie more so than Dunning. He looked flat dominant. Uh, It was an absolutely incredible cameo from Tristan McKenzie this year. Uh, I was fortunate enough to write the gift breakdown here as well. And so I'd written McKenzie and Anderson. And then my third one that I was assigned was Dalton Jeffries. And I thought, well, 
McKenzie and Anderson both had incredible starts, so maybe Dalton Jeffries will too. And we don't need to talk about what happened in Dalton Jeffries' first <laughs> start, but it's safe to say that it was not the level of success that either McKenzie or Anderson saw. But uh, the Indians I, are just incredible at this. I mean, McKenzie was a, was a lauded as a top prospect prior to going down with the injury, so it's not like he came completely out of nowhere, but he's he looks so good in this season at 33% strikeout rate, just a 7% walk rate. I, he's absolutely flummoxing hitters with his stuff. His command was good. His All of his secondaries looked good. It was truly a sight to behold. I was a huge Tristan McKenzie fan. Uh, I think the primary concern for McKenzie, at least that I have, is his frame. <laughs> He's, he's six foot five and he's 160 pounds. And if you watched a single second of him pitch, you would absolutely believe that he is six, five, 160 pounds. He's just a really thin, like just small framed guy. And it hasn't, you know, it hasn't really deterred him obviously outside of the injury that he had, which isn't necessarily related to that, but that's the biggest issue that I would have with McKenzie. But being in a system that develops pitching as well as they do and seeing the way that he pitched this year, I'm pretty darn high on him going forward. Uh, Shelly, we'll start with you. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I was more surprised that we saw Tristan McKenzie do what he did than Dane Dunning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I mean, I saw him in uh, low A Lynchburg, uh, maybe two, three years ago. And I was, mm-hmm. it, I, he had a dominant start, but I mean, he looked exactly what he looked like on the mound this year. Like just extremely, very, very thin. And just hearing about all of the back injuries and stuff, I honestly, I had pushed him like way, way down in my ranks. Um, He looked really good at the beginning of the year, but his, his velocity started to decrease as you know, the, the, the season went on. I'm hoping that's just because he hasn't really pitched since 2018. Um, and I'm hoping that it was an injury and it, it did, you know, the, the Indians didn't really say that it was an injury. So I'm thinking that it was just probably, you know, uh, Tristan just wasn't used to going, um, you know, as long and um, um, whatever, but uh, I, I am a huge fan. I mean, just any Indians pitcher, I will probably be intrigued about because I mean, they just have a reputation of being amazing. And I mean, that first start was absolutely amazing. Like I, I'm, you know, kind of jealous that you got to write that uh, gift breakdown. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was in Detroit when that uh, first start was happening and I was just watching it like, yeah, this is either really good or he's facing the Tigers. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I love McKenzie. I am historically high on those post injury hype trains, um, mm. outside of Dane Dunning, I guess. But, you know, you take your guys like McKenzie or, or Jay Groom or Hunter Green, I'm going to be leading those hype trains coming back from injury just cause, uh, you know, I, I'd want to believe they're going to come back strong from, from injury. So I was really happy to see what, uh, McKenzie did. Um, the velo thing is something to keep an eye on, um, especially if, since you're, if you're looking for fantasy advice about him, it's definitely something to watch um, just because that's going to be very important, I think. But I, I love his stuff. Uh, a big Tristan McKenzie fan. I'm very, very happy that he was able to come debut this year and and prove why he was a top prospect at one point. So the last thing that I really wanted to talk about, uh, we, we finished all the arms that we had on our list um, and Trevor already kind of teased one of them a little bit, but there was four pitchers who uh, missed all of the season with an injury. And I think our guys that 
I know we'll get some questions on that guys are, are unsure of what to do of, with in dynasty leagues. Uh, none of us are doctors, so we cannot really <laughs> tell you a lot about specifics of their injuries other than maybe what former players who've gone through those injuries have dealt with. Um, we'll start with Kopech, who obviously did not miss the season because of an injury, although he did miss the previous season with an injury. Uh, Trevor, you already kind of said your, your piece on Kopech, so I'll go with Shelly first. Uh, Kopech was number 25 in our top 100 rankings. I'm curious if you've thought much about what you're going to do with them, having not gotten to see him pitch at all in the last season. Yeah, I'm kind of holding a par with him. Um, He opted out. Um, He's had some personal stuff going on that kind of, yeah. So not going to talk about that, but just kind of (laughs) like a lot of personal type of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still high on the talent, so I'm just kind of giving him a mulligan, and I'm excited to see what he looks like uh, this spring. Yeah, the talent's there. Um, to me, he was always kind of a high-risk arm. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he's got the big, big fastball, all the nice stuff, but the command was always fairly questionable, and that might be putting it nicely. And um, now he hasn't pitched in two years. So I- I'm, you know, he probably drops down naturally as he should um, on lists. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and was fantastic. So uh, I, I'm Kopech, I think, is going to be one of the more fun cases to watch coming around next year. Sure. Uh, no, next one was number 24 on our list, Brendan McKay. Uh, McKay had shoulder surgery on August 20th. He had not yet pitched in the major leagues up to that point. Mm-hmm. Now the last report that I saw says he's doubtful to even be ready by spring training. Uh, hard not to be a little bit concerned here. Obviously, I'm curious just your guys' thoughts. Uh, Trevor, we can start with you on McKay's. I know, again, like you said, you're not a doctor, but just your thoughts on, on how you would rank a guy like that. Yeah, shoulder stuff is tough. Um, just because I can cheat and see the list of the guys we're going to talk about, I think I would put Brendan McKay as as uh, outside of Kopech, obviously. Uh, I'd be the highest on him in terms of, of how far they would fall in rankings because of what's going to be happening with him uh, in yeah. terms of injury. So. Um, you know, it, it's tough. Injuries don't usually deter me as much. Um, obviously mm-hmm. you're more careful with them, but I, I don't just say, well, he was hurt, so he's gone. You know, I, he's, right. he's no longer in baseball in my mind. So I, you know, they're just all going to be guys to watch, but I, I, I like McKay. I think McKay could come back and, and be a piece, especially since he plays for the Tampa Bay Rays. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was I was really high on McKay uh, coming into this year. Um, I watched a few of his starts, and they didn't look as bad as like the stat line looked. And I looked at a few of his, you know, minor league starts, and I was a fan. Um, but this shoulder injury, it it kind of spooks me a bit. Um, obviously, I moved him down. Um, I'm I'm hoping that he's going to be okay because I do. I I I still love the talent that I saw uh, last year. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we talked about McKay and Kopech, who are 24 and 25. We'll talk about AJ Puck here in a second, who is number 30. I have a hard time imagining myself having any of those three guys within the top 30 again next year, just because of what they're dealing with. Uh, but again, we, the, I'm glad that we talked about these guys after we talked about Dunning and McKenzie, because, you know, they I don't think they were ever that high. And neither, none of those two guys were top 30 ever, but they were top 100 prospects who fell off of most lists and then had some success. So it clearly can happen. And I think Trevor's right to not downgrade guys too much because of injury, but it's hard because you don't want to keep a guy really high who 
never really fully gets healthy. And, and that's where puck like is, is a big concern for me. I, I'm probably more worried about puck than I should be. I'll admit that. And if I'm wrong and he ends up dominating, great. I'm totally cool with that. But he, he had the shoulder surgery. It didn't reveal anything new. Uh, he's expected to be back by spring training. So I know there's a lot of people breathing a sigh of relief, but we're also talking about a guy who's just not thrown a lot of innings in the last couple of years because of so many injuries. And, you know, I think he's got the stuff to be a starter. I think the A's should try to make him a starter, but at some point you kind of have to decide, look, maybe we just put this guy in the bullpen to preserve his arm a little bit and just take what we can get. I don't know how to make that decision. It's really difficult, but puck is a guy that has has enough baseball talent to be really good. However, the A's choose to use him. He's just got to stay healthy. And up to this point, that's been a huge challenge for him. Uh, Shelly, what are your thoughts on puck? Yeah, I've, I've always been kind of like a lower person on puck. Hmm. Um, I really wanted the A's to make him a reliever this year. Um, uh, I think that he could really be like a lights out starter. Um, This shoulder surgery kind of just like puts me even more in that camp. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of leaning more towards uh, reliever more than starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate to see it because, I mean, he looked really good in his couple of starts, but I just don't think his body can take it. I want to love AJ Puck a lot. I really do. Um, and when we talk, we're talking about Tristan McKenzie's stature and his injuries, Puck is 6'7", 238. Yeah, um, so he's yeah. he's a big boy, and he's kind of going yeah. through this. But with a guy like him, and especially uh, with the next guy, I'm not going to tease too much. But especially with the next guy, when you can start <laughs> using the word "perpetual" to describe the arm problems, yeah. that's when I just start to get worried, and I don't think that I would glance twice at him. Um, so that's kind of where Puck is for me, and and maybe he'll turn out to be a good start. Maybe he'll turn out to be a good bullpen arm. Maybe the worst thing happens in these arm injuries kind of derail his career completely. And, and I really hope that doesn't happen because it's always fun to see a six, seven lefty just chucking. I just, I, with puck, you know, it's just so hard. I want six foot seven dudes, like you said, Trevor to succeed, but it's just scary. And I hope that he finds it, finds a way, but I'm not sure I'll even have him top 75 going into next season. Last up on our list, he was number 93 on the preseason is Brent Honeywell. This is who Trevor was teasing a little bit. Uh, perpetual injuries is certainly the way that you would describe Honeywell. He has not pitched since 2017. He broke his elbow this year and was when he was supposed to return. It's just been such a bummer. A, a guy who's got so much talent, but just we just haven't been able to see him on the bump at all. And it's I don't think I had him in my top 100 before the season. I, I won't next year, most likely. But, man, I want to see this guy pitch again because I think he's got a lot of talent. Uh, what do you guys think? Trevor, we'll start with you. Yeah, for Honeywell, um, for me, it's just that screwball elbow. I mean, that's really, mm-hmm. as far as it's going to go for me, is it's fine. The screwball's a great pitch until it starts screwing up your elbow. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with, Brent Honeywell, and that, that's my main worry now with uh, Devin Williams, too. Uh, mm. His changeup is a screwball, if you didn't know that already. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with as much as he pronates that on the release, and uh, it just takes a toll, man. And, and so yeah. I would not rank Honeywell a little bit. I wouldn't even think about it personally, just because um, he's got the talent to be ranked, but I can't get over the... Uh, you know, the damage done to his elbow by that constant pronation of throwing the screwball. So, uh, you know, I, I hope the best for him, but I am, I'm kind of completely out on uh, Honeywell. Uh, yeah, I feel the same. Um, just that, that screwball, uh, the screwball elbow. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I really want to see him come back and at least get on the mound because I, I do think that the Rays kind of did him wrong before he like really started to, you know, really battle those injuries. Like they never brought it up and I really thought that they, that they, they should and they just never did. So I really want to see him just get a, a little bit of run in Tampa. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm really going to have him ranked any well, any, anywhere. Well, this will not be the last time that I have you guys on to discuss prospects this offseason. It's been so much fun to get a chance to talk about these guys. Uh, we'll have plenty of trades and other things that are fun to discuss. Uh, we're hoping to keep the On the Farm podcast going throughout the offseason, even when we're not able to discuss a lot of minor league performances from last year because there were no minor leagues. But thank you so much to both of you for coming on and discussing this list. Uh, I look forward to the next time we get a chance to talk.